the, <laughs> this is the ripple effect of a soul who says yes to Christ and how Christ can magnify uh, his glory. I love this. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, Dave the Kangaroo Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> Dave the Kangaroo. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, hopping yeah, around. Yeah, we have a lot around. of Australian listeners. Yeah, I know. I know. I saw that cool... We got that email from that guy. Yeah, and it's exciting because um, I feel like between the U.S., the U.K., and Canada... And now Australia, we are we're we're officially an international audience. Ooh, wow! We got people. Wow, we got people, yeah. man. Yeah, it's fu- DREs. We got normal lay folk who are evangelizing family members. We got we got all sorts of stuff. You know, there's nothing like us. Yeah, you, there's nothing like us. <laughs> there's definitely <laughs> nothing like us. Uh, the you know the thing is is that it's funny because like when I look at the statistics, I'm surprised, and yeah. then like I'll say things to like my close friends and family and they'll be like no it's like they don't believe like the stats of people who are listening but it really is you know thanks to our audience sharing it like crazy yeah i always tell people the number one compliment you can ever pay us for the show is sharing it with someone else it's the number one compliment you can pay that and uh i have a delicious voice (laughs) and and just cash also and just cash yeah yeah you can share it and cash uh, <laughs> uh, oh how are you doing times. how are you good doing times. are you uh you got to be gearing up for some busyness uh i'll tell you what i'll tell you what i got all my plane tickets i believe i think oh, all my oh plane gosh, tickets booked for march i hate it so much i hate it so much <laughs> so much i have one plane ticket that's left that i have to buy to go to um anchorage alaska in the mid-march and uh, this is great. There's a great community out there. They were big Catching Foxes fans. And so um, me and Luke did a live show out there last year. And they asked me to come back and do a parish mission. So I am super excited, super excited. But it is exhausting. It is exhausting. And then I just found out, trying to book the tickets, that Houston no longer flies direct to uh, to Anchorage. Oh, poor So poor now baby. it's like you don't get to I go know, direct It's to a six-hour flight. <laughs> That now is going to be a 12-hour airport extravaganza. Oh, see, I, I would have assumed it was longer than that. I don't know. I'm not a good geographer. I was just explaining this to my kids the other day that I am terrible <laughs> at geography. <laughs> you know, so I, you know. uh, Do you guys homeschool? Uh, well, we did until Amber got <laughs> sick and now... Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, your kids are going to, they're going to suffer through, uh, yeah. guys, listen, Canada is right next to the United <laughs> exactly Kingdom. It's great. Right. right. Learn French, but then it'll be good. Everything's going to be fine. Right. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about you? What about you? Yeah. I've, I, yeah. I have, a bu- I have a bunch of stuff coming up. Yeah. Honestly, um, I have, a, I, I maybe am a little bit overbooked, but I wanted to be and need to be. So, um, yeah, I have, I have several missions coming up, and I'm going to be in your neck of woods. I'll be in Houston uh, with our so good upset. friend, Father I'm David so Huss. Upset. Yeah, I'm so upset. Father David had to tell me, not you. Well, I just forgot. Ugh. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. I have a I have a meeting at 1230, and other than that, I have no clue what my life <laughs> unfolds, you know. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, but, no, hey, you know, this is – I'm ex- I've kind of been excited to do this episode because my favorite episodes are the quick takes, and we haven't done one in a long time. 
So this we is this is going to be good. We've got we have a buildup of emails, so we won't get to everything today, but yeah. uh, we will get to several. So yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I just want to share a quick follow up uh, for our listeners. Um, in a previous episode, we had prison stories with Gomer. Yeah, I um, I, I, I talk, think about it all the time, honestly. Yeah. Well, I talked about that guy who had an instantaneous conversion to Christ. And the follow-up is he's still going strong. Cool. Like this was not a retreat thing. He's been showing up at our um, the Bible timeline that we teach on uh, Saturdays. And so um, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. And then another thing is, um, you know, did I tell you that the Jewish group, that I mentioned this, the Jewish group asked me to kind of oversee their group? <laughs> what? Did I tell you? Did I tell you about that? No, this is insane. I don't think I told you I don't about know. That. At the prison? <laughs> Yeah, there's so a Jewish the, group at the prison. That seems so yeah. strange. Why? I don't know. It just seems odd. Well, there's a Jewish group, a Buddhist group, and a Catholic group, and they all walk into a bar. Just kidding. <laughs> and so they're all at the uh, no. The, we all share the same time for our chapel time, and so every so often the Jewish group, whenever I'm there, they just kind of come up and sit with the Catholics and listen to me talk if it's on a relevant yeah, theme. Yeah, right. And I have talked a lot about the uh, Maccabean revolt and cool. then the the Hasmonean dynasty, which I did for one of our Christmas episodes. But the uh, so they love that so much that now every year it's a tradition that I talk about it That's with awesome. the Jewish and Catholic group together. Well, the last time or a couple times ago when I was there before the retreat, um, they came up to us. They came up to me and they were like, "Do you th- we've never had like a rabbi or a volunteer? Do you think you could do that?" And I was like, "What do you want me to talk about?" And they're like. Talk about the Old Testament. We can talk about the book of Genesis. Whoa. And I was like, okay. And they go, and we know you can't help yourself. You're going to talk about Jesus. And we're fine with that. And then they asked if I could come. I know. And then they asked if I could come help them celebrate the Seder meal because (laughs) they don't have anyone on the outside. Sometimes it's hard to kind of advocate for your position. Okay. And so I was like, I'll try to. I will try to. I can't promise you because March, I'm all over the place. April, I'm, I'm busy with the RCIA stuff. And so talking with them, they're they're like super excited and they're like, and no one like donates books to us. Like our library is pretty pathetic. So I mentioned it on Catching Foxes and this woman, uh, Nat, sent me, uh, I mean, like 20 books uh, all on, a lot of them was on Jewish mysticism, but she sent me like six volumes of the Talmud and like all this stuff. So I show up at the prison with all the (laughs) scripture stuff and the guys just look at me and they were like, what? I said, yeah, yeah, some listeners to one of my podcasts, and they just, like, they started to get choked up, and they're like, people out there care about us? Yeah. And I was like, no, they care about me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, how crazy is that? So That's, uh, that's, that's I, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. really is, I, I just, I guess I, I guess it's stupid. I'm so, I'm so unenlightened, but I just didn't, I didn't think about the idea that there's a Jewish community in prison, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's people of all shapes and sizes, <laughs> short ones, round ones. Could there be? A, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So well, the that's Buddhist cool. group meets. The Buddhist group meets while we meet as well, and there's like twenty of them, and it's so funny because I'll be in the middle of talking, and they'll strike a gong, <laughs> and then they all stand up and start doing their full body like swaying stuff. What like, is that? I didn't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, it's all about, you know, like Tai like, Chi or something like that. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of stuff like that. So Weird. and they do their, they do their Buddhist chants and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, that's anywho, that's back funny. to David and Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a great follow up. So what, what's our, yeah. what's our first email? 
Okay, I love this one. This is from Janet, and we're only going to mention oh, yeah. first names. They love it. No one said you can't mention, but this is Janet, and Janet just wanted to... I wanted to share this because I think it shows the impact of this show and what it's having. She said, I'm writing to share how the podcast and the intimacy you both share in your love for Christ, Dave, we're very intimate, um, and his power in your hearts and conversations uh, has impacted many Catholic communities. One of them is mine in the far north section of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, Ohio. With Bishop Schnur's blessing, we are starting a local council of Catholic nurses and affiliate of the Council of National Association of Catholic Nurses USA, and we are writing our local bylaws with an emphasis on the kerygma. We have asked ourselves, why should any apostolate exist? Our answer, for Jesus Christ, of course. Thank you for your continual personal joy. It is palpable through the podcast airways. How amazing is that? So then she sent the bylaws, and sure enough... They are amazingly charismatic, yeah. right? They preach the gospel in their bylaws. How right. awesome is that? Yeah, and it's a, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've talked about this several times that Gomer and I say this all the time that, like, you can go where we can't go. There are doors that are open to you that we can't open. And, and this is the, a prime example of an enculturation of the gospel in a place that we, I mean, we're not nurses, and, you know, and we, and we couldn't couldn't enter that arena. We wouldn't know what to do or what to say, but you have totally and completely let the gospel come into that uh, that arena, and that's awesome. That's awesome. And and just think about, okay, so this is the, the ripple effect that we're talking about. So we have one woman who's a nurse who belongs to the National Association of Catholic Nurses USA starting a local chapter, and her thing, because she listens to this podcast, she wants to incorporate preaching the gospel into her actual bylaws. Now, she's meeting together with other nurses in order to start this, and as they're reading this, they are seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached, and probably because of the content and who's joining it and blah, 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 they already have a level of acceptance of it. Okay, so maybe they're all about to super devout Roman Catholics. But then, as more nurses join this organization, yeah, I like you know being Catholic. I go a couple times a month to Mass or whatever it might be, this is so like it, it's blatant, but in a wonderful way. It's right. not like beat you over the head with, right. you know, all this stuff. Um, but then think about how that then forms the nurses who then are going to be in the hospitals, who then are going to be in positions of healthcare and conversation and all this stuff with people who are ill, people who are coming for checkups, all this, like the, <laughs> this is the ripple effect of a soul who says yes to Christ right? and how Christ can magnify uh, his glory. I love this. Me too. So now you're having nurses formed in the gospel explicitly being there serving people. I love, I mean, it's just beautiful. Right. And so the only question is who's next, you know, I'm, I'm, there's gotta be sales people out there. There's gotta be machinists out there. Like, you know how are you going to bring? How are you going to enculturate the gospel into what you do? That's it's it's awesome, and it's it it is like the th- just a thoroughness of what we need to do with our apostolate. So awesome! Oh, I love it! I love it! Awesome! Uh, from Jen. Good morning, gentlemen. I enjoy your show. It has pushed me way out of my comfort zone in terms of evangelization in the best way. Yeah, no kidding. The five practical takeaways <laughs> ruined my week. Uh, because of these things you've shared, I have started sitting with the Blessed Sacrament slash going to Mass once a week. I am amazed at how much just being in his presence will do that little bit more made me that much closer to him and that much more eager to do his will. 
I have heard and read about various podcasts, Catholic pages, people discuss spiritual directors. I know religious and priests all have them. Do you think it's necessary or helpful to lay people to live a holy life? I find myself having questions about my own faith journey and God's path for me in little and big ways that I know a director would be able to help me with. I'm just uncertain how to find one and if I should seek one out or just keep pursuing my prayer, the mass, etc., and trust he will guide me. She's a mother of four, married, and in so many ways she knows the immediate path God has laid out for her, but she would love more guidance. Dave? Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Um, and this is a question that I deal with all the time because um, uh, I, you know, when I get to choose what my focus, my focus is always on the spiritual life. And so um, actually there are some resources right away I'd point out on my website, thesinnersguide.com, and they're like how to choose a spiritual director, when do you know if you need one, things like that. So um, if you want to take a look there, that'll help. But let me just get to some some broad strokes here. First of all, it's for sure 100% that every, even lay Catholic, needs spiritual direction, but you don't necessarily always need a spiritual director, okay? And so what that means is this. You know, at one point in time, I remember Pope Benedict told everyone um, that you should get a spiritual director. It didn't say it in that those terms, but said you know it would be good. And I remember saying to a um, a priest from Opus Dei, and they you know they they specialize in spiritual direction. You know, I I I make a retreat once a year, and I and I have priests I can go to when there's a question or a problem. But right now in my life, I just don't feel like I have the need. And he said exactly right. He said everyone needs spiritual direction. They don't necessarily need a regular spiritual director now. And some people do. Okay. There is a point in you know in your journey where you're going to move to a place where you need someone to to draw you in. And what point is that? Um, well, first of all, you know, are are you really struggling with? Um, are you no longer struggling with deliberate mortal or venial sin? Okay, uh, when you're when you're not, you know, sin is a mistake now at this point. You know, or not a mistake, yeah. but a sin is like something you fall into, and you're like, oh, I wish I would have had. Some more clarity there. I would have stopped myself. At that point, you're you know starting to make some some headway in the moral life. Are you praying every day? And and most of all, is your prayer going from active to receptive? You know, are you leading the prayer time, or are you trying to just receive from God? And and I don't mean that in a in a in a, um, a mindfulness way. I don't mean that in a shut off your your brain way and think of nothingness. I mean it more like, are you trying? to have God answer the deepest questions of your heart during that prayer time? Are you practicing mental prayer or Christian meditation? And if you're doing that and you've been doing that for a while, it probably is a good idea to, to start meeting with a spiritual director. Now, the biggest problem in modern day is finding is one. Finding one. <laughs> it, it is a major, major issue. Um, the, the vast majority of priests are just not qualified for it. Uh, they didn't, they didn't take any classes on it. Um, or they might've taken a few, but most of them would have been more pastoral. And so, um, what you could do is you could find a very solid religious order, um, and, and see if there is an Opus Dei house in your, in your city, that can be very helpful because those priests, that's their specific training is spiritual direction of lay people. And uh, they're very intense, though, so just be ready for that. Um, you <laughs> yeah, could you could find a lay person, but and there are some who are qualified. But it's very easy to call yourself a spiritual director, and it's and it's even more prevalent now that people are getting like certifications. And I'd be careful, you know. I'd make sure that you want it. You want to know where they're coming from because um, 
a spiritual director is not a counselor. It's not a, a healer. It's not those things. It's someone who can kind of walk along the journey and answer the questions when you need. Apply pressure when you need the pressure, but also to make sure you're not uh, going too far. So I would say, um, yeah, try try a few sessions of spiritual direction. What I do at my parish is I offer, anybody who asks, I offer three sessions. And that's it. I don't ever go past three sessions. If they have... If they want to go past three, then I try to find them a spiritual director. But actually, my dream now is to be at a parish that has the resources where I would literally two days out of the month get priests, spiritual directors who are priests and nuns from all around, fill every room at our parish, and for eight hours have half-hour increments where people could just sign up for them. <laughs> I've, I've had this dream for a long time. But I've never been able to actually do it. So I did a parish mission that I thought was fantastic. One of the things is if you can't find a spiritual director, there's just too many people in the area are tapping out the too few people. Um, then one of the things I would encourage you to do is maybe discern movements or um, different things like Opus Dei or um, you know Regnum Christi or something like that. And I say that because the movements will offer. Uh, one, you'll be attracted to a movement that kind of fits your charism and the things that maybe the Lord is is doing in your heart. Right. And it's always good to be under a rule, right? Sub right. Rule, right? right. It's always good to have people who or to have a, a plan of life, but also one that fits you in, in some way, shape or form, because we all need consistency. We all need consistent habits of prayer. And I found that people who join um, movements like this will end up, because they're doing spiritual reading, they're meeting with other like-minded people, that that helps provide a stopgap for those who can't sit down one-on-one, -on -one, you know, once a month, once every couple months with a spiritual director. So that would be another avenue that maybe you can take to really help out. Um, but I do think a spiritual director is necessary in... Uh, uh, in overcoming certain faults and right. um, advancing in the spiritual life overall. Um, you might not need it right now in this season of life. It might just be impossible for you to get. Um, then what I would encourage again is if you have a great relationship with a priest that you trust, try to make a, an annual retreat um, in order to kind of fill that, you know, do a four day or an eight day silent retreat, a religious order that I love who my former spiritual director is from is a servants of Christ Jesus out in Denver and they run Ignatian retreats. Um, I'm really, I, I love them uh, deeply. And so whenever I would make my retreats, I could never figure out how to make time with this guy, with my spiritual director, Father John. And then uh, lo and behold, a four-day silent retreat opened up. And I was able to do that um, once every two years. And it was huge for me. So uh, a spiritual director is a mirror in a lot of ways. Yeah. And they can show you... Uh, you know, your soul in ways that maybe you can't see and you're not looking at. And so I just think it's key. I really do. Yeah. I, and I think I think that um, it's finally people they're starting to respond to the need. There are a lot of schools opening up for spiritual direction. And that's good. There are. And Franciscan just opened up. Yeah. One. Yeah. Which, um, and yeah. yeah and then in Houston at my church, we have 11 lay spiritual directors. What? Wow. Yeah. And, and, and they all and you did. like vetted them and everything. Well, they do. So we have, you know safe environment right <laughs> all that stuff but they also um they did a certification program that's of i think a four-year program 
And uh, I did not like this program in the beginning. I've been to that place. I'm like, it is the worst of like 70s Jesuit. I always say, quit calling yourself Ignatian. It's Jesuit. There's a difference. <laughs> uh, that, that sweet, sweet 70s Jesuit. Yeah. And uh, I didn't like it at first. And uh, so I met with a couple of the spiritual directors. And they would teach me about or talk me through their curriculum. And then I was like, okay, okay, this is good. Like, you, they really do have rock solid stuff. And they do things like supervision. You ever heard of supervision? No. Supervision is where spiritual directors get together and they hold each other accountable. Like, oh, you're being too, you're mothering that person. You're not huh, directing that's them. That's good. And, that's good. Right. And so they, they, you know, do it totally anonymous, right? They, they're not like, I met with Karen yesterday. No, but the way they do that, and they all hold each other accountable. And then we had these two Hispanic women join up, and they are a part of Holy Name Retreat Center, and their program is like 10 times more rigorous. They have to do, they are required to do a retreat every year. They're required to, um, like, to get a letter of approval annually sent to the pastor, wow. and like all this stuff. They do a really great job. So there are certification programs locally, you know, that maybe you can get connected with, um, with people who have gone through those programs. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. We have, an, we have a great email from Matthew. And what it says is this, is that what do you do when someone or many people who are pretty devout followers and then a scandal in the parish pushes them away? Uh, he goes to list several personal parish scandals. So this isn't like the bigger scandals in the church, although we all know that that's happening. Um, but there are some like real serious scandals that he describes at his parish, which I won't even get into because um, it, it's a little icky and and even um, you know I wouldn't want to identify the parish from from these. But uh, what what I would say is this, you know, we've we've talked about this before. His point is, look, he's pretty much an outsider. He's kind of new to the parish, and and he wants to he wants to be able to to stand up and say, hey, this is this is okay, you know, just because there's scandal doesn't mean you should leave the church. And here's here's my first suggestion, Matthew, is the first thing is your testimony. Give your testimony as to why you're still there. Why are you still there, right? I mean, that's that's the reason that they need to hear um, because for a lot of people, they're almost, they feel like they're in a vice, right? They don't know what to do. Uh, they want to go uh, to be fed by their church but they'd see these evil fruits coming from that and they just don't know what to do. So if you could just provide a path for them to be able to intellectually navigate this, it can help a lot, right? By just saying like, look, I'm here because I'm not worshiping a person. I'm worshiping Jesus Christ. And I know that Jesus Christ founded this church. And even though that sinners have come into this church, uh, that he is still present in the midst and that he can do wondrous things in my life and save me through his kingdom. The second thing I would say is make sure you're distinguishing between, I, I, make sure you're not uh, making excuses for these scandals, right? Uh, I would never, ever, ever say that one of these uh, scandalous, you know, situations with priests that have happened over the last, you know, 50 years, I would never say, oh, well, you know, that it's such a lonely life or something like that. No, no, no. We hold our priests to a higher standard because there is a higher standard. Uh, we, we, of course, there are practical things that happen in someone's life and the loneliness of the priesthood can be something you deal with, but it's not time right now to defend it all. Right now is time to say, no, 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 
this man did not do what he was supposed to be doing. This isn't a problem of the church. This is a problem of that man. Uh, and then when the hierarchy doesn't respond, this is a problem of that particular hierarchy. Uh, this is a problem of that. It's not the general problem of something wrong at the seat of the church. Yeah, my biggest problem with um, when we talk about scandals, kind of like what you were saying, is it's so easy to want to defend the church that we end up minimizing what is happening um, and or like the evil. So I really do appreciate, Dave, what you just said. Like, I think that that is a really key component because you can't hide it. I think the the worst thing about the scandals isn't just the fact that priests were doing horrible things. It's the cover-up that kind of came with it. And so, I mean, obviously the horrible things are horrible, but then to cover it is... It is the true scandal, right? It, that's where it becomes a scandal on, a stumbling stone. You're a bishop and you hid a priest. You moved right. a priest over and over again. Right. You know, you did it yourself to priests or whatever it might be. Um, and so the, the things that Matt mentions are very horrible, like Dave was saying. But I, I, my only advice for people that are really struggling within um, within this is... Like Dave started to say, we don't follow a person. What I think you meant, Dave, is we don't follow, like it's not a cult of personality around like right. a pastor or something. Because Jesus is a person, right, Dave? If we were in the same city, I'd punch <laughs> you right now. The whole time, right. When people listen to podcasts, they tell me all the time, like, I was shouting at the radio or I was shouting at my, you know, That's out loud funny. listening to your show. And I just imagine someone being like, uh, well, actually, Jesus is a person. Uh, you just denied his ontological yeah. divine reality. There's, there's somebody who, who critiques my talks all the time. And I always say that, like, when they show up in my office, like, if you want to read one of my papers, you're welcome to critique it. But as a speaker, I'm free to say what I need to say to get a point across. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. But, I mean, it's true. Like, there's a reason why the names of our pastors are not bigger than the saint name of the church. Right. Right. There's a reason why. Because they hold what we call a divine office. St. Paul says that his apostleship is a divine office. Right. In the military, they have a phrase, salute the office, not the man. Um, you might despise the person, but you still have to salute the office, not the man. And in a certain way, that it has that attitude has caused scandal because people were subservient to the office in a way that allowed for abuses to go on. Okay, now, but the the good way of this is the realization that Christ's grace can be accomplished in spite of the man, in spite of the person. Um, but when that ripple effect of the antichrist, right, the anti grace goes out. Um, the most beautiful thing that we can do is constantly show them the face of Christ. Right. Constantly show them the face of Christ. Um, and one of the reasons why we can love scandal is because it it makes us feel good about ourselves. And that's an ugly side that pride has happened. Like the condemnation that you might read about in a blog or by a, a podcast or whatever can get so extreme because it's it's literally the manifestation of self-justification. Right, right. I am not like those right, or whatever. Right. Um, and the only way that that can be countered, the only way these demonic ripple effects can be countered and canceled out is by profound acts of humility and service. Right. Profound acts of humility and service. Self-sacrificial generosity is something that the world cannot 
contain or explain because it has a divine origin. And so I would encourage you to figure out ways to serve the wounded, the walking wounded of that community through that. Uh, and just, Matt, I'm going to speak to you directly. Um, the first thing that you said, uh, I had a priest do the same thing to one of my parishioners. I was wondering if it was your parish when I read it. No, it, it, this is not. But yeah, um, yeah. I had uh, the exact same thing. And it is it is devastating what happens. And everyone, you know, the kids no longer practice the faith because a priest divided. You know, you have all of this stuff. So uh, we're the walking wounded. Right. We are the walking wounded. And more than slick advertising campaigns, we need healing. Right. And I would say, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of your time uh, in prayer, it's prayer for healing. Yeah. Prayer for healing. Prayer for healing. Awesome. Yeah. We got an email from Down Under. We did. We did. We got an email from Down Under. Kiara says... Uh, and I'm going to try to censor this email a little bit so people who might listen to us uh, down under uh, might. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I feel like that's so offensive. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I think of what was the movie that was popular? Crocodile Dundee. Gover, that was racist. Gover, can I tell you, I'm I'm the biggest Australian nerd. I, Are you really? I watch Crocodile Dundee all the time. When I was, I, I do. I still, I, I still watch it. I still watch it all the time. And I... I love Australia. When, when I was a kid, I was like obsessed with my whole room was decorated Australia. Like you were so bizarre. Yeah, it was strange. It was strange. Well, I, I do not understand what you spend your money on. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. That was a quote from the office. Yeah. Okay. So she says uh, she's a full time stay at home mom and part time PhD researcher. And she's been binge listening to the show uh, when she can. And we've been a bit of a voice of sanity for her when her toddler is, well, a toddler. Uh, I have a prayer request for you and your listeners and a question. Right now in Australia, the entire Stop church is doing going that. <laughs> it's not good. It's just not good. I will not stop. <laughs> the entire church is going through a discernment for the agenda for a plenary council in 2020. Cool. My mother is on the writing group for evangelization, which is so awesome. Yeah. Her and her dad have been doing marriage enrichment prep and theology of the body for 30 years, and she could use some prayers. Lord save us. There's a cohort of septuagenarians. <laughs> this, lady, she, this lady's obviously brilliant. Yes, and she's speaking directly right. to my heart. Yeah, right. Who are hell-bent on, quote, reforming the church and, quote, sending a message to Rome. They show open contempt and hostility to anyone who says things like, we need to talk about Jesus when we evangelize. Oh, my gosh. Bishop, yeah, yeah. Contempt for talking about Jesus. And our younger bishops, and most of them are priests, um, please pray for my mom and all the orthodox-minded people wrestling for the truth, beauty, and goodness of Catholicism and for these quote-unquote reformers' conversion. Okay? So I think I'm going to take this. We're going to separate it out from the question that she has coming up next. I think this is so powerful, right? Uh, Kiara, I hope and pray that a little of Janet's um, nurse's kind of energy rubs off on this plenary council committee. Yeah. Because uh, we want Jesus Christ to be upheld. And I'm, I think we need to pray for a holy boldness to fall upon um, not just your mom. I think she's probably plenty, uh, plenty yeah, bold. But right. to fall upon the church and a spirit of repentance, especially on these people. And I know exactly the type of people you're talking about. Yep. This, this has nothing to do with Christ and him crucified, and it has everything to do with our own selfish agendas. And that is 100% what she's facing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I work daily 
uh, in that kind of an environment. And um, I, I can honestly say this. Um, I have tried everything with this group of people. I really have. I've tried pointing out history, the, the, the witness of history. I've tried pointing out different things. And it's like they, um, they just they cannot get uh, past their their agenda really. And so he, here's what I would do if I were you. Okay, I, I would look at this. I would look at this in a strategic, almost military esque way. Okay, the first thing I would do is I would set up a huge team of people to start praying for these septuagenarians, <laughs> which you so <laughs> wonderfully put it. I would, I would, I would literally, it, it, even if you had their names, I would have people praying for them by name, oh, like over and over and over again, daily praying desperately for them. Um, and I would, next I'd try and shift your paradigm. I would look at them as in need of evangelization, right? Um, because, uh, I mean, you know, you, you know, like if, if, if when you encounter Christ, it changes your life, you, you're desperate for him, and, and almost even more than that, you're desperate for others to realize what he can do for them. And so um, at, a, at a, a meeting about evangelization, when they're not talking about Jesus, there's something wrong there. And so it's going to be important for your own witness uh, to do that. I think also some of the some of the just hard cold hard facts of the truth are important as well, right? That uh, there are certain things that you can just remind them of that that do not work, right? I'm guessing they're bringing up the old plans that they've been bringing up for the last uh, thirty or forty years or so, right? That we need to get back to this, um, and, and they usually fall into two camps. Usually they they don't know any better because they're they're more recently involved in serious church work or number two, they never thought we went far enough um, with the, with the reforms. And in both cases, they've been kind of proven just extremely wrong in the, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so her second question is, I have a question now about my own situation. I am a PhD researcher in international relations and my thesis is all about shedding light on how the Catholic church does diplomacy. I work in disciplines that are not only ignorant of Catholicism or even any kind of religious thinking at best, but are at worst hostile or contemptuous of religious thinking and religious people. I have to argue to be even taken seriously as a scholar for talking about the Catholic Church, and one surefire way to get me into trouble is to start talking about Jesus in anything other than a narrow, academic, and impersonal fashion. So my question is, do you have any advice how to be more than just a good scholar according to the rules of my discipline, but to actually call these academics to a relationship with Jesus? Thanks, gentlemen, for putting up with a super long email. Keep up the amazing work. And Dave, I'll keep you and your family in prayer. Oh, that's sweet. Prayers from awesome, down awesome. You know, I, All right, what, do you, what are your first well, thoughts, Well, Dave? you know what? I'm only going to give one thought because I think you'll have okay. a lot to say about this. But my one thought is this. Be excellent academically. Be the very best you can be academically. Be as, as great a scientist as you possibly can be uh, so that you have gained the respect of your peers and do not let them ever say, see, this person has Christianity and because of that, they have some kind of an intellectual weakness. Don't ever yeah. let them say that. I mean, the greatest scientists, the greatest astrophysicists, all those kinds of things, it, it, many of them are Christians and it's almost like when they find out that someone's a Christian, it's like, oh, there must be something wrong there. So yeah. make sure they don't see anything wrong. 
Yeah, she's a PhD researcher in international relations, right? Which is so fascinating. Oh right? yeah, diplomacy. Yeah, right. Understanding diplomacy. I would also um, want to encourage you to. You don't have to do everything about Jesus, the Church, and all that stuff in order to introduce Jesus into the conversation. Absolutely, it's almost kind of like the the social science equivalent of where the Protestant preachers teach you how to manipulate a conversation to work Jesus in. There are, like, I think your thesis is awesome, and I think it can be very fascinating, especially the stuff that Pope Francis is doing diplomatically. But what I mean is you are going to change hearts and minds when you are with individual people. Yeah. Right? Now, using your thesis on Catholic Church and international relations, I mean, you can talk about things like the great Thomist, uh, Thomas Viterbo and how he his view of the natural law established what we call international law, right? You can talk about things like that uh, in a way that comes from the perspective of winning the progressive left, which now controls most of our, our public spaces and academic institutions. When you, you do it, you, you understand to be uh, wise as serpents means you understand where they are coming from. You know, they're hostile to religion. Why? Why are they hostile? Write it down. They're materialists. They're secularists. They have a different sexual ethic, and so they view Christians as bigots and blah, blah, blah. So come up with this stuff and treat it, if you're going to treat this topic explicitly, treat it in a way that speaks to that side of things, like international law, the foundation of it, and all that stuff, so that you are basically earning a space for it to be heard, right? So, you know, you personally be as professional as possible when you're in a hostile environment. Give them no excuse. Um, but also, if you're going to use strategically topics, I would say make sure you understand where they are coming from so you can answer answer accordingly. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, uh, just the fact that you're asking this, it's awesome. You know, we're going to pray for you because it, this, is, this is great. You, I love to hear... When people are working, you know, in in their field, and and they are trying to bring the gospel in, into that area, because any academic field now has been totally, totally, completely stripped of belief in Christianity, and you know, it's it's just it's a real shame, because uh, you almost have to hide it. You know, great question from down under. I hope I hope I get to go. I've never been there. I've never been to Australia. I had two offers. Oh, I desperately want to go speak there, but no work. one's ever asked me. No one's ever asked me. Yeah, and 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 by God, they never will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, ladies and gentlemen, this is EKSB. We're going to take a quick commercial break so you can hear from the fine folks at Ascension. I would encourage you if you have an email or a question, send us one at EKSB at ascensionpress.com. That's EKSB at ascensionpress.com. That one email goes to me, Dave, and Marisa, and we can uh, make sure that your fine topics are covered on this show. We thrive through our community relations, and we want to encourage you to send us emails. We might not always be able to get to them, but uh, we do read every single one of them, and then we do weep for hours and hours trying to come up with a way to answer them. That's not a complete waste of your time. So EKSP at ascensionpress.com. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it, but what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? 
God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. Me and Dave are going to give you the five practical takeaways. And this one, we are going to focus on prayer, 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 prayer. More than anything else, prayer, prayer, prayer. Dave, why don't you take the first one? Yeah, well, number one, uh, we talked about this plenary council that's coming in Australia and that there's going to be a topic of evangelization. What we want you to do is just take some time today and pray for that plenary council. I mean, this is so important, right? This is what the church refocusing on what is important. So please pray for that. Awesome. And number two, we want you to pray for that local council of Catholic nurses in Cincinnati, but also pray for all of those in the medical profession who are Catholic. There are so many temptations to tough. pull yeah. them away from church teaching. So let's pray for these particular Janet and her group of Catholic nurses in Cincinnati, but now for all Catholic medical professionals. Yep. Number three, we heard from Matthew, uh, who's having a really hard time at his parish. It's a, it's a struggle right now. Please pray for Matthew's parishioners, for, for the healing uh, that needs to go on at that place. We, we know about that place, where uh, about places like this, where it just seems like scandal on top of scandal. And so we pray for all of those, and, uh, and especially that God would send them great leaders. Yes, and then next we want to pray for Kiara Downanda and her. I'm sorry, I'm so sad. I couldn't help myself. Dear Jesus, help me. Um, prayers for her PhD thesis, which is going to be on the Catholic Church and uh, diplomacy. I think that's awesome. But we want you uh, just to be writing this, knowing that literally thousands of people are praying for you. Yeah, yeah. And finally, we talked about uh, the need for spiritual direction, and we need more spiritual directors. So please pray that God would send laborers to the harvest for the fields are white and ready. Uh, so pray, just say a prayer, that God would send more spiritual directors to us and good and competent ones. Awesome. This has been yet another episode of Every Knee Shall Bow. Uh, Dave Dowd under Van Vickle, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, coming up soon, we're going to have an interview that I did with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, and it was awesome. Dr. Italy himself is coming out with a new product from Ascension called um, Jesus, the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And the book, I got an advanced copy of the book. The book is awesome. I, rec I will tell flat out, without hesitating, everyone should get that book. But it also is paired with a thing that I did with Jeff Cavins and Dr. Edward Shree on um, like a virtual pilgrimage to the Holy Land. So cool. all these things kind of connect. I have never been to the Holy Land. I doubt I can ever afford to go. But uh, Dr. Italy uh, at DrItaly.com, he did a great job connecting all that stuff. So that's coming down the pipe. All right. God, God bless, bless you all. all.